Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Cummins Inspiration. It's been produced here in our Cummins studio here in Ada. And this, the beautiful feast, the feast of Christmas, the feast of the birth of, of our Lord, Jesus Christ, today, the 25th of December. Joining me to help me to produce the programme this morning, two people, two people that I couldn't do without. First of all, my dear lady wife, Anne, good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Hello, John. Good morning, listeners. And also, Shane Ambrose, somewhere out there. Good morning to you, Shane. Happy Christmas to you. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Happy Christmas. And of course, we also want to wish our listeners, all those who are listening to us, 
wherever you are in the world, whether you're in Newcastle West, in Ada, whether you're in Hong Kong or whether you're in wherever you are, you're welcome. And thanks indeed for joining us, especially those listeners who are housebound, lonely and struggling as usual. Some way, hopefully you'll get some hope. And I know you'll get some hope today. That first bit of music that we played uh, as an intro to the programme, or Come All Your Faithful, was by Casting Crowns. Beautiful way to start off the programme, and indeed we hope that you'll stay with us for the next two hours, where we'll have loads of, re- of reflections today. We were so lucky, so fortunate to have our guests who have joined us throughout the year, uh, came back at various times, some some of them during their lunch break, some of them during their their um, tea breaks, some of them in the evening, some of them in the morning, but they came back and joined us and gave their reflections for this particular day. We thank them all for that. We got so many that a few of them we had to leave over till Sunday next. So just before I forget, uh, Noreen Lynch had a, had a, a prayer for us, which she'll be joining us with on next Sunday. That's the 29th of December. Father Frank Dewick and uh, Sister... Patricia Hogan will also will, will be broadcasting their reflections next Sunday. But in the meantime, we hope you'll enjoy what we have to offer this morning. There, are, as I said, it'll be it'll be loads of reflections and music, the odd little thought, the odd little phrase from Shane and myself around. But in the meantime, stay with us. Uh, just to let you know before I forget again, this Christmas special is being broadcast again tonight on West Limit One Hundred Two. Uh, local radio at 10pm. So 10pm tonight to midnight is a repeat of this particular programme. But of course, if you want to listen to us anywhere else in the world, at this stage you probably know about it, it's commonseeinspirations.buzzspread.com. If you just Google Come and See Inspirations, we're there on Spotify, we're there on iTunes and a few more platforms and also through our blog that Shane kept going for 10 years or so, sakerspace102.blogspot.com. So, without further ado, we'll we'll we'll, we'll play uh, start our, our first reflection. This first reflection this morning is actually a Christmas morning prayer, and that is prayed for us by Father Eamon Conway, a good friend of the program, and that's followed by Handel's Messiah, for us a child is born, and that's played by the London Symphony Orchestra and Chorus. So sit back and enjoy this. So at this point of the program, it's a delight for me to welcome back on to our Come and See program here, uh, especially on Christmas Day and Christmas morning. Father Eamon Conway, good morning to you, Father Eamon, and happy Christmas to you. Good morning to you, John, and indeed to all of your listeners this morning, and a very happy and peaceful Christmas to each one of you. Thank you, Father Eamon. At this point of the program, we, we'd like to invite Father Eamon to share an appropriate prayer, maybe to lead us into this two-hour program that we have here for Christmas morning. Father Eamon, could you share a few thoughts with us, please? I'd be delighted to. So, we give thanks this morning on this Christmas morning to the Lord Jesus for being among us, to the God who has loved each one of us into being. Jesus is the face of God's mercy. Jesus is God incarnate, God in flesh. When we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. Jesus, whose love was always patient and kind, never hurtful, never boastful, who never delighted in anything wrong that we may have done, but always delighted in the truth, as we learn from St. Paul. Jesus, in the beautiful preface of Mass, you might have heard it last night at Midnight Mass or today or during the Christmas season, we see, we're told that in him our God is made visible and so we are caught up in love of the God that we cannot see. A love that knows no limits, a love that knows no boundaries. And so we may have had a difficult year, we may have had illness in our families, 
that have stretched us. We may have maybe even lost a loved one this Christmas. can be a lonely time if, for example, there's a, an empty place at the table. But even our loved ones are gone no further from us than to God. And God's love is strong and capable of holding all of us in being. So our love this morning, embraced by God's love, stretches out to our loved ones, maybe in other countries and other places. It could be that we're at work, that we're not able to be with our families this Christmas for whatever reason. But God's love unites us and holds us and continues to bless each one of us. So we give thanks to God for that great love. We give praise to God and we ask God's love and protection on each one of us in the year that lies ahead. Amen.
So, welcome back to Sacred Space on this Christmas morning. That was our Reflection and Prayer by Father Eamon Conway, uh, starting us into the programme. And it was, of course, followed by our great tradition on, on Sacred Space with the playing of Handel's Messiah and the piece Foreign to Us, A Child is Born, which is the London Symphony Orchestra and Chorus. So, up next, we have our Christmas morning reflection and greetings from our own Bishop Brendan Leahy, Bishop of Limerick. And that will be followed in turn by the Sussex Carol, which is sung and performed by the Sixteen and Harry Christopher. Happy Christmas to you. I want to wish you well to you and your family on this special day. And maybe I make just a suggestion that you focus for a short time today, whenever you're passing by, perhaps in your home or in a church or wherever you're living Focus on the crib. The crib is something that Pope Francis has written about recently, encouraging us all to make sure that the great tradition of the crib doesn't die out. He reminded us, of course, of when the crib started. The tradition started in 1223, when then the young Francis of Assisi, returning from Rome, remembered he had been to the Holy Land just a short time before that, and he had seen how people really reverenced and celebrated around Bethlehem, the place where Jesus was born. And he was thinking, well, what could I do to keep that alive back at home in Italy? And so when he got to a place called Greccio, he asked a man called John to come and bring some animals and straw. And one thing led to another. And 15 days before Christmas, he started preparing so that on Christmas Day then, Literally, with live animals and human beings, they got together to, as it were, present, represent the scene of Jesus' birth, the manger in Bethlehem. Simple, poor, but real. And let's remember, of course, the symbolism of the animals and people being together. It comes from Isaiah, who tells us that when the Messiah would come, Jesus, it would be a time of peace, reconciliation, hope, People who normally would be competing or a danger to each other and certain animals might be, would no longer be a danger because there would be reconciliation. And so the Pope has this wonderful line. This is what he writes in a letter that he wrote two weeks ago. By being born in a manger, God himself launches the only true revolution that can give hope and dignity to the disinherited and the outcast. The revolution of love. The revolution of tenderness. From the manger, Jesus proclaims in a meek yet powerful way the need for sharing with the poor as the path to a more human and fraternal world in which no one is excluded or marginalised. Perhaps you're listening this morning to these words from the Pope and you might feel excluded or marginalised. Perhaps you're on your own. Perhaps you're living, listening to me from a prison cell. Perhaps you're listening I don't know, maybe in a nursing home or on your own someplace. But remember, there are many people close to you today. All the people who have gone to church, all the people who are praying, all the people who are trying to do acts of love. Somehow they are also meant for you. Their prayers are meant for you. Two months ago, I met Pope Francis in Rome. It was a very special moment for me. I was together with 30 other bishops from around the world. And he spoke to us about closeness. It's very important, he says, to draw close to God because God is 
drawn very close to us in Jesus. And then also to be close to other people. Maybe at times we have little divisions or fractures, but today, Christmas Day, is a chance to draw close, even at least with our heart, even perhaps to pray for somebody we, that we might feel a little bit estranged from or little scruple we might have about the past, at least to pray for that person and be close to them that way. To make closeness on this Christmas Day something we can live. Maybe there's going to somebody going to meet us later on and we mightn't be the best of form. We can try and be close to them. Perhaps we have a silent moment to say a little prayer. That too is a chance to be close to God. But above all, as I say, when we're looking at the crib, look at it well and remember, God has come very close to me in that baby Jesus, in Mary, who's there with all the beauty of a mother, in Joseph, in the angels who are present telling the good news, in the shepherds who make the journey. Imagine yourself in that crib and let yourself feel Yes, God is very close to me. Mary's very close to me. All these people who I may, maybe don't know around the world who are today celebrating Christmas, they're close to me. And I too can continue this by being close to others, making, as it were, the crib come alive for those people you'll meet today. So once again, may you have a happy, peaceful and holy Christmas. So we thank again uh, Bishop Brendan Leahy for, for joining us uh, to offer us that reflection and those thoughts on this, this Christmas morning. Beautiful piece of music then, the Sussex Carol. I think that was actually suggested by yourself, Shane. Beautiful piece of music, as usual. 
This time, uh, now we, we have Sister Betty Baker. Now, Sister Betty, one people might remember, was with us a few weeks ago as part of the Solution uh, team, who joined us here and, and come and see Inspirations to share with us about the centenary celebrations. But while while Sister Betty was there, here with us, we asked her to give us a, a, a reflection, and she offered us this beautiful reflection. It's entitled Christmas is for Healing, and that's followed by... Uh, a song by Don Mohan entitled My Christmas Prayer. So let's hear this. Christmas is for healing. Loving you, of course, I am not at all interested in how much money you are spending on Christmas gifts this year, but rather in how much blood, sweat and tears you are shedding to make Christ a vital part of your life. For you and I will never be able to erase the fact that he came to touch lives, to break bread, to heal hurt, to forgive sins, to wash feet, to calm seas, to walk on water, to give us his spirit and to care immensely. Yes, to care enough to be born in our Bethlehem, to live in our land and weep over our cities and die and rise again. So now it's Christmas and I am not sure what part of you is wounded or just where you need to feel his saving power. But with everything in me, I believe that Christmas is for healing, and he came to heal. So if you can trust him enough to walk out on the waters of getting involved, of washing feet and anointing people, of breaking bread and working miracles, I am almost sure his saving presence will touch those blind and wounded parts of your life and Christmas will come to you. More than anything else, I want to give you Christmas this year. But it is always an offer, you know. You can take it if you like, but I can't really give it like a wrapped up package. It is deeper than that, holier than that, better, stronger and more personal. Christmas is more challenging than a wrapped-up package. It is an offer. It is a mystery. It is birth. It is Christmas. And God can never be born enough. of the city shine bright red and green but sometimes the season is not what it seems in heartache or joy let me rest in your care be near me Lord Jesus this is my Christmas prayer Thank you. 
the shepherds bowed down angels were singing their glorious sound I have no great riches no gift to impart what can I give you Lord I will give my all of your children we need your embrace we hunger for mercy and long for your grace our grateful devotion is all we can bring we praise you we bless you Jesus our Savior and was uh, Sister Betty Baker but a love, lovely reflection I think John I think we'd have to agree this morning on Christmas is for healing and I think that's an important important point for people that try to get through the Christmas day so for some people it can be a time of you know a little bit of angst a little bit of of, of, of loneliness as well um, now the next part we have a reflection from, from Sister Mara Grace of course Sister Mara Grace is one of the um, Dominican sisters that is in uh, Glenford Street in Limerick uh, help, uh, helping to administer the parish there St. Saviour's Parish and She's followed, uh, after her lovely reflection, we're going to hear a great Christmas favourite from many people, which is, of course, Oh Holy Night, and it's been sung by Alad Jones. Happy Christmas. I'm Sister Mara Grace from the Dominican Sisters serving in Limerick, Ireland. We want to wish you a very happy Christmas. As a child, one of my favourite things was piling up in the car with my family with hot chocolate in hand, and going uh, through the housing estate to look at the Christmas lights. There's something about lights that we all just get joy from. And, uh, you know, walking through the the city here in Limerick, the, the lights are bright. And it makes me realize that there's something more deeply profound about this light, the symbol of light that we have around Christmas time. Of course, we're remembering when Christ came to earth. And sometimes we get so stuck in all the consumerism part of Christmas. But the lights are a great symbol to remind us that the true light of the world has come. 
And as we read in St. John's Gospel, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we can think in a particular way, in a, in a very grateful way, of what our God has done. That he has come to earth, he has taken flesh, he has died for us, and he rose for us so that we might have life. The lights around town remind me of the lights that are used in the baptism ceremony. If you remember back to all the christenings you've probably attended, light is a big theme in that ceremony. Not only when, the most obvious one is when the, the paschal light is shared with the family of the newly baptized. So they have their own baptismal candle, which is lit from that large paschal candle. But there's another symbol in baptism that sometimes gets overlooked, and that's the symbol of the oil, which anoints the child's or the adult's forehead. This oil of chrism brings a certain radiance to the countenance of the newly baptized. This symbol speaks to us that we, as baptized Christians, have been given this light of Christ, that we are called to spread that light in the world. And so this Christmas, as you go along and see the different Christmas lights, may it be a chance for you to reflect that God has conquered the darkness, that he has brought us hope, and that he desires us to shine with his own light. May God bless you and a very happy Christmas. The stars are brightly shining, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul
So again, uh, uh, thanks again to uh, Sister Mara Grace, who actually, when I was speaking with Sister Mara Grace just before uh, the Christmas, um, she agreed that she'll join us sometime in in January because they've got so much coming up in in February. And so hopefully we'll be joining Sister Grace's, uh, Sister Mary Grace's uh, sometime in January. In the meantime, uh, a good friend of the programme that we used to touch base with a lot while she was based here in the diocese, a good friend, Noreen Lynch. We were able to catch up with Noreen. And Noreen offered us another reflection this morning. She's full of these reflections. She's so, she's so good and we're so fortunate to know Noreen. But she offered us, in fact, two. One is a prayer that we should be playing, as I said, uh, praying for us on Sunday next as part of our program, but this morning she offers us a reflection, and then that's followed by, again, one of our favourites, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and this this is sung, this version is by the Barlow Girls. So let's hear this. I hope you're enjoying the program. I Am There by Carly Ranner. Now God says to us what he has already said to the earth as a whole through his grace-filled birth. I am there, I am with you. I am your life, I am your time, I am the gloom of your daily routine. Why will you not hear it? I weep your tears, pour yours out to me. I am your joy. Do not be afraid to be happy. Ever since I wept, joy is the standard of living. That is really more suitable than the anxiety and grief of those who have no hope. I am the blind alley of all your paths. For when you no longer know how to go any further, then you have reached me, though you are not aware of it. I am in your anxiety, for I have shared it. I am in the prison of your finiteness, for my love has made me your prisoner. I am in your death, for today I began to die with you because I was born. And I have not let myself be spared any real part of this experience. I am present in your needs. I have suffered them and they are now transformed. I am there. I no longer go away from this world, even if you do not see me now. I am there. My love is unconquerable. I am there. It is Christmas. Light the candles. They have more right to exist than all the darkness. It is Christmas. Christmas that lasts forever. Amen. Where? 
So welcome back. That was a lovely reflection from Noreen Lynch. And as John said, of course, Noreen is um, she has, she's left the she's left Limerick. She's currently working in Dublin. Busy woman. It's hard to keep up with her. Very involved in mm. the uh, music scene in uh, in East Clare. Um, but it's a lovely reflection from her. So I hope people are enjoying the program this morning, John. So so our next reflection um, we have we have a second one actually from Betty Baker. And Betty's going to give us a reflection on shoppers, which I thought was very appropriate given the pandemonium that sometimes ensues before and after Christmas. And of course, the piece of music that's going to follow it is actually, it's actually one of my personal favourites actually for the Christmas period, uh, uh, is by Daniel O'Donnell. Now, most people know I'm not a big fan of poor wee Daniel, but he has some nice pieces. And it's Little Drummer Boy. Christmas shopping. Oh, God of words, Dear word of flesh, give birth to my thoughts. Change them into words that will help me Christmas up the lives of those I love. For I am weak and fragile and scared and empty this year, and still I feel you very near. Jesus, I think I hear you coming. I think I hear a sound that says you've cared your way into my life again. I think I see a light more lasting than the ones we hang on trees. I think I see a world that's splashed with God again, so gospeled with his presence, so covered with his love, yet lonely still. O shoppers, dear shoppers, put your carts away. Please put your carts away and search deep down within your hearts for gifts that will not rust or fade. For where your treasure is, there is your heart. Oh, look into your God-splashed, gospeled hearts and see. 
see Christmas standing there, waiting to be not bought, but given free. We are Christmas shoppers, Lord. We are shopping for a way to make your coming last. Oh, take the blind in us and hold it close. Oh, teach us how to see. Decorate our lives with your vision for Christmas. Let us see. Oh, shoppers, dear shoppers, hang lights in your hearts instead of on your trees. For the one we've hung our hopes on has come, and now we're free, but only if we see. Oh, Jesus, we long for Christmas eyes. Please hold the blind in us. We really need to see. I hope a star comes out for you on Christmas Day, a new one, and one you've never seen before. I hope it's bright and kind and shines down hard and long and well to help you see the things you've never seen before. To help you see the things you really need to see. I hope it touches you with gentleness and runs along beside you all year long. This star, oh how I hope it comes, running, leaping, laughing, bounding, shining in your life. And when the year is through, well, just because it's you, I hope the star keeps shining on in you. Because you see, you are someone I'd like to give a star. Pum, pum, pum. 
Welcome back again. I mean, you know, Shane, you got such a lovely voice. I, I, I mean, the way you were joining in the wee Daniel there and singing <laughs> that song, fair deuce to you. If only I had the microphone uh-huh. turned down. But anyway, thanks a lot to yeah. wee Daniel and, of course, Shane for, for helping us uh, to, to enjoy that piece of music. Uh, as you said, an unusual topic, um, shoppers, but I think it was appropriate in the way Sister Betty put it across, I think was has some meaning for ourselves. Now, again, we are welcome back to, again onto, onto the programme uh, this year, and again this morning, actually. Father Eamon Conway, he gave the, the prayer at the start of the programme, but also gave us his thoughts and his reflection this morning, uh, for this Christmas morning, and followed by a beautiful piece of music again. I think the music we're so lucky for, we're so lucky on this programme, we got such a choice. Um, this one, again, is Silent Night, and this one is sung by the Winchester Choir. One of the things I, I suppose I've had a very strange relationship with Christmas myself. My Christmases of my childhood were always full of a great sense of, of joy, of magic and of mystery and uh, family celebration. And as an adult, I guess my Christmases have never quite uh, risen to that same expectation. And maybe it's because I've never, you know, as a priest, I've had a family of my own and children with whom to celebrate uh, Christmas in the same way. But I think Christmas can be, for each one of us, a very lonely time. It can be a, a very difficult time, particularly if we get caught up in the, um, I suppose, the secular side of Christmas, the the uh, the, the rush, the present buying, the, the the pressure that's there to, you know, to, to provide gifts and, and all of that. And it's very interesting that, you know, if you ask people, um, what they most like about Christmas, they'll tell you it was very quiet. Uh, it was actually very uh, peaceful. Oh, it was a lovely day, very quiet. Nobody, you know, and that's something in a way that we can have all the time. That doesn't cost a penny. Uh, that's what most people truly and really, I think, want out of Christmas. Um, it was interesting there a couple of years ago um, when we had some very bad storms and snow and so on. And we were all snowbound and people couldn't leave the home. Uh, work was cancelled and so on. I can't remember which storm it was. But people, uh, people were saying, God, it was just like Christmas Day, you know. Uh, it was lovely and quiet, and we had a family day, and we played games, and we didn't have the electricity, so we weren't disturbed by maybe phone calls or TV or all of that, you know. And uh, that's something really that we can learn from Christmas, is that it's really the simple things, it's the ordinary things, the things that don't cost an awful lot of money uh, that really make Christmas for us. And so if we can try just to focus on that and realise that uh, what's really important and really valuable. Um, the spiritual side of Christmas is what makes it for me. Uh, I really could park uh, the the commercial stuff. I really could. I mean, I don't want to disappoint anybody 
on Christmas Day. I don't screw to anybody on Christmas Day, but I could really park all that commercial side of stuff. It's really pondering this extraordinary, extraordinary faith we have that God, the God who has created everything, that has created the whole of reality, the whole of the universe, every single human being since time began, this beautiful planet that we inhabit, that this God gave himself away into the small, fragile puniness of one human being, Jesus, to reveal to us what lay in God's most inner heart, which is an un absolutely uncalculable love, a unconditional love and self-giving. It wasn't enough for God to create this wonderful universe, but God wanted to be the heart of that universe, to be at the heart of that creation, and to show us, in a sense, what it is to be truly human. And this is what we're celebrating today uh, in the Incarnation. Here's this one human being who was not, as we are all, marked by sinfulness, by selfishness, who was, because of God's inner presence in a very real way, freed from what we call original sin, freed from the reality of sin to show us what it is to be a truly human being, to love in a way that's unlimited and uninhibited. And, and Jesus is that, for each one of us, that promise that we too, as far as we unite ourselves with Jesus, allow Jesus to be our brother and to be our guide, we too can reach that place of selflessness and self-giving. And in a sense, whatever gifts we may have given to others this Christmas, and again, they're wonderful and I'm sure people will appreciate them, but the greatest gift any of us can give to another person is ourselves. And ourselves in terms of our time, maybe sharing our space, sharing our gifts and sharing our talents. And so I would invite each one of us just to rejoice, first of all, and receive and be open to receiving the gift of God to each one of us this Christmas, which is the gift of Jesus, God's mercy, God's face, God's love. Let that touch our innermost being. Let that be really, as we know, the deepest satisfaction any of us could ever ask for, because whatever physical things we may get, material things we may get, none of those can really satisfy our deepest yearnings, our deepest longings. Only God's extraordinary self-giving can do that for each one of us. And it's given freely to us. All we need to do is get ourselves into a quiet space, a place of peace, a place of tranquility, a place where we can be receivers, generous receivers of God's generous self-giving. And in that place and in that space, to allow that love to heal us and being healed we too can become healers to those around us uh, to those in need of that sense of God's peace and God's love and we know so many many people in that situation I'm sure each one of us today can name many many people who've had a difficult 2019 uh, in my own struggles health wise this year I had uh, to deal a little bit with cancer thank God it was dealt with but again in that context I know how much I depended on the love of others and hopefully will in turn now be there to help others in that need as well and allow ourselves in all of these difficulties we've had in all of these struggles to surrender and trust in the mercy and the love uh, that God holds for each one of us so that would be my prayer and maybe uh, when we know that love for ourselves and when we have the chance to share it with others our New Year's resolution will be really to, to pace ourselves in accordance with God's love, to be a little less perhaps materialistic, 
a little less worried about how others might see us, but to trust in and live out of that beautiful love which is revealed to us and given to us as a free gift this morning in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Raymond, and from us all here, and come and see. Happy Christmas. Many, many happy returns. Thank you, John. Thanks, Father. So that was Silent Night by the Winchester Choir, sung by the Winchester Choir. Beautiful, traditional, of course, Christmas anthem, anthem almost, you could call it. And, of course, that followed on from a lovely reflection there 
from Father Eamon Conway from Mary Immaculate College. And we just want to say a very big thank you to Father Eamon. He has been a most generous contributor to the programme in the last couple of months and he's always available to help us out and give share his thoughts with us. I'm not too now, sure, Shane, now, by the way. Shane, sorry. I'm not too sure yeah. if I'm not too sure if, if, if people noticed a little bit of competition we had during that recording because um Father Eamon does have a dog. And the dog decided <laughs> that the dog also wanted to get in on the act. So in the well, back, you know, in the background, we thought it'd add a little bit of flavour to it, so we left it in. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, well, you know, John, the tradition is on Christmas Eve the animal animals talk. But anyway, uh, so our next reflection actually is from Martina Lahan Sheehan. Now, people, of course, would be familiar with Martina because we've had her on the program once or twice. But also, she's a very well known writer and has published a number of books on mindful, Christian mindfulness and mindfulness and spirituality. And, and we're hoping, the plan is that we'll have Martina back on the programme sometime in the new year mm-hmm. to talk to us. But she was very gracious and she gave us a lovely reflection, which we're now about to hear. And uh, I thought it was very appropriate that the piece of music, the gentle piece of music to follow, is actually the candlelit carol, and it's been sung by, by Alad Joe. So Christmas has arrived and uh, the radio and many stations for the last couple of weeks have been doing countdowns and uh, describing it as the most magical time of the year. And and it is. Um, but what we have to be careful of, I suppose, on this very special uh, Christmas season is to recognise that the magic doesn't come through our fixed expectations. There can be a lot of fixed expectations about what makes a perfect Christmas. And we're um, maybe often encouraged to crave that sort of illusory um, happiness around perfect family gatherings, perfect atmosphere, perfect dinner and so on. And, you know, when we loosen some of those expectations around perfection, that's when the real joy comes. So if we want the real joy, uh, Christmas joy, uh, we have to go a little bit deeper and settle into deeper stillness and wonder and beauty. And Christmas is all about attuning ourselves to that wonder and beauty. And, you know, when it comes to January, nobody will remember if the cranberry sauce was forgotten. And nobody will remember if there wasn't the perfect designer Christmas baubles on the tree. But they will remember the light in the eyes. They'll remember the flicker of a fire. They'll remember soft winter light playing off shadows in the evening. They'll remember soul time. So maybe this Christmas we can really nurture soul time because it's very easy to rush past some of those little miracles in soul time when we're rushing for some kind of perfection. So maybe we can drop the shoulders and breathe and nourish those gifts that will last. And, you know, there's been a lot of study done in the past eight to ten years in a field of study. And there are um, certain states that have been studied lasting happiness and those states are gratitude optimism in the present moment cultivating wonder and hope so if we in fact they have been called the 40% solution uh, we're told that 
all of these states raise our happiness level by 40%. And we're told that any externals, no matter how expensive, can only raise our happiness and well-being by a mere 10%. So maybe Christmas is a good time to practice and share the gifts that last. Gratitude, optimism, hope, wonder and awe, and living in the present moment. And I suppose the greatest wonder and awe of it all is how the God of the universe, the creator of the whole cosmos, empties himself to become a tiny baby. That's the real awe of Christmas. Mystery unveiled and uh, pouring itself into our hearts. In fact, in fact, our hearts are the new Bethlehem. And your heart is the real Bethlehem for this Christmas. Oscar Wilde said that we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And we're looking at the stars when we're choosing to count our blessings, cultivating a spirit of newness for everything and everyone around us. Often over-familiarity and habit can deaden things around us. And then we look for the extraordinary and stimulants and so on. So maybe this Christmas we can drop the extraordinary and seek that joy in the very ordinary. And I'm going to share a little reflection that I just wrote that might help us all to slow down for true beauty, the true wonder of the Christmas season. Your life is a wonderful unfolding journey. In living fully in the here and now, you are born into the not yet. So do not run through your precious life, dismissing moments as being merely ordinary or mundane. Slow down so you may see where you have come from and where you are going. Step by step, by breath, letting wonder do its work in you. Treasure the gift and do not pass it by in the quest for some grand finale. It goes according to society, other people's expectations. Instead, listen. Listen to the small voice within allowing the drama of the mind to pass over listen to the small voice that wants to fill you with that wants to tell you that you do not walk alone. So walk softly, silently, patient into the mystery. So that's all for now, but maybe we can practice an alternative Christmas day that sends a little ripple from our hearts to the hearts around us and maybe into the whole universe. A ripple of joy and wonder that will be remembered next year long after the Christmas decorations are taken down. How do you capture the 
Okay, so again, uh, welcome back again. I hope you're enjoying the program. At this stage, we are Father Chris O'Donnell, uh, now based in Kilmarnock. Father Chris is, is busy out as is all as were all of our our guests today, Christmas Day. But Father Chris joined us. Um, actually, he joined us for um, last Sunday as well for the fourth Sunday in Advent and gave us his thoughts. But also stayed on and gave us this reflection—a lovely little reflection um, of of a little child. And uh, wondering what to give Jesus for Christmas. I won't spoil it. I'll let you listen to that. It, 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 it's beautiful. And after that is a piece of music that we're going to play. It's by John Michael Talbot. And actually, talking to my child, the name of the song is What Child Is This? So again, Father Chris O'Donnell uh, gives us the reflection. John Michael Talbot will sing What Child Is This? In, in 1994... Two Christian missionaries were invited by the Russian Department of Education to teach in a large orphanage. At Christmas, the missionaries told the orphans the Christmas story, and they gave the children materials to make their own nativity scenes. One child's creation stood out as it was unusual. Misha had put not one, but two babies in the manger. Curious, one of the missionaries got the translator to ask Misha why he had done this. Misha began to retell the story with great care and detail. 
especially for a boy who had only heard it once. It was word perfect, until he came to the part where Mary, or Maria as they called her, put the baby Jesus in the manger. And then Misha started to ad-lib and made up his own ending. He said, And when Maria laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him, I am an orphan. I have no mama and I have no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me that I could stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like the shepherds and the kings did. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. So I thought about what I had that maybe I could use for a gift. I thought maybe if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift ever. So I got into the manger and then Jesus looked at me and he told me I could stay with him for always. Misha, in an instant, caught the real message of Christmas. God became one of us to show that he would stay with us and love us for always. It's a story so powerful that over 2,000 years later, it can still bring everything to a halt. God became what we are so that we might become more like him. It is a call to be his love and presence for others. The orphan Misha grasped this love immediately, and in his poverty he knew this great gift of love deserved a response. And so he crawled into the crib to keep Jesus warm. How will we respond to this incredible love? In what ways will we crawl into the crib to keep Jesus and to keep others warm and to let others feel our love? How will we find and create a little bit of Christmas every day? Let's be people who keep others warm with our love and kindness. And whatever we do, may we never doubt this. Christmas reminds us that God became one of us. He believes in us, delights in us, loves us, and is with us. The little Russian orphan, Misha, put it best when he said, Jesus looked at me and he told me I could stay with him for always. Well, Jesus looks with us today and every day and tells us that we can stay with him and he will stay with us for always. What child is this who Meaning 
So that was uh, What Child Is This? It's been sung by John Michael Talbot, which brought us out of a lovely reflection, of course, with Father Chris O'Donnell. And I have to say, it is great to have Father Chris back in the diocese. He was away for, I think it was just over a year, if not longer. He was seconded out. He was working on something with Veritas. Uh, so it's good, it's good to have him back. Now, our next lovely little reflection for you this morning, listeners, is actually from a great friend of the programme, which is Gerald, who is Geraldine Creighton. Now, Geraldine, of course, is a member of the Emmanuel community, and we have Geraldine on from time to time, uh, talking both about the Emmanuel community, but also about other things. So this morning, she's giving us a lovely little reflection about the tradition of visiting the crib in the church, uh, which is very appropriate, of course, because, of course, Pope Francis wrote a letter about the crib in public places uh, just there before... Uh, before for Christmas. And the piece of music which follows up with it, now we're going for a slightly classy, classical team this morning. So it's actually Angels We Have Heard on High, and it is sung by the Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli. Good morning, listeners. It's wonderful to spend some time with you on this Christmas morning. At the start of December, Pope Francis wrote a beautiful letter on the meaning and importance of the crib the Christmas scene and the nativity scene. And the first words he used in it were called, describing it as an enchanting image. And in it, he talks about the fact that when we were children and we, we, we spent so much time as well setting up the crib and even now as adults and as older people, we, 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 we're the same when we're in front of the crib, we're reminded of those memories when we're young. Perhaps they're sad memories reminding us of people who've gone absent members but also if we think about it too we can touch in on our own joy and that's what saint francis wants us to do he wants us to remember the joy remember the joy of being together as a family but that this joy is still possible today and even more so because god is coming again on christmas into our lives in a new way the crib if you look at it when it was set up by saint francis it was an idea and I put human form on something that was a story. So you could go and look. You didn't have to read the book. You could just go and look at the picture. And when you saw it, you saw the littleness of Jesus. And I've had a chance to travel around in Italy. And it's a big thing in Italy, of course. St. Francis, who invented the crib, was an Italian. And when you go everywhere in Italy, they have so many different types of cribs. But one thing you notice is that these, in nativity scenes, usually they depict a whole village. So not just the the scene of the manger with Jesus and Joseph and the shepherds coming, but in fact, a whole village and all around there's so much activity. Activity everywhere because people were preparing 
you know, there's a big census on and they were trying to get in, get the jobs done, just like we are for Christmas, before Christmas, trying to get all the jobs done. And Jesus was born in the midst of an awful busy time for the people. And he's very, very small and he's very, very insignificant in a sense because he's out there outside in a, in a place where, where animals normally live. So he's insignificant. And the first people who come to see him and see the star and notice a sign are, again, insignificant people. They're shepherds. They're very insignificant in that society. In fact, they're almost ostracized. They're out of the activity. They're outside. And God has gone, you know, to the sign of the star and grabbed their imagination and startled them. But also, it wasn't a sign that frightened. It was a sign that drew them. And they followed the star and came to the crib and saw some little, small, little mite of a child in a, in a, in a manger, surrounded by his uh, mother, loving mother, St. Joseph, his guardian, and uh, the animals in the crib. And I suppose that the, the call I suppose, for us at Christmas is to say, where in the little places am I going to see God? Because he wants to come. In fact, God needs to come. He needs to come. He wants to come into our lives. This is why he was born for us he was born in a small way and there is of course a huge link between the child who was born and the man who died on the cross and the man, God man who rose from the dead uh, victorious over all suffering bringing for us a gift of new life so what is his gift? He comes as a little child, his gift for us what is it? And I can ask myself what is it? But for sure he's bringing peace for sure he's bringing peace through forgiveness He's bringing peace through offering us hope. He's bringing peace through helping us accept our lives as they are, little like his life, as little and is little. He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. And he actually wants to be needed by us. So where can I see the littleness of Jesus in my family, in my neighborhood, in myself? Where is the little insignificant bit that he wants to say, I love you? I am with you here, and I'm going to always be with you. I'm going to lead you through the next steps. I'm going to lead you, uh, be sta- always be standing with you, beside you, going before you. My angel will be with you, leading you ahead. Where is that little me, that little person? Our chance, if we can do it over the Christmas period, if you can't go to Mass on Christmas Day, but sometime over the Christmas, all of this, the 12 days of Christmas, uh, to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, very, very small, but it's a very concrete way to welcome him and to say, yes, I accept your peace. I accept your hope. I accept your forgiveness. I accept to take a step forward with you by my side. So listeners, I wish you every blessing that God himself wants to give. No holds, everything open, full of his, his generous love, his forgiveness that passes all understanding, his peace that never ends, and his future that is full of uh, possibilities because God is always with us. God bless you. Thank you. 
So again, uh, thanks to Geraldine Creighton for for joining us after that was that reflection. When uh, when we were recording that, Geraldine actually mentioned to me there now uh, that that if possible, if people had a chance to read as Shane just mentioned there, um, the Pope's letter on the crib and what it's all about and so on and so forth. It might be no idea if you can grab it um, to take a read of that. Now I got my own choice. Uh, for this next uh, piece, because I love the child, I love a child telling a Christmas story. So I had to do a little bit of manipulating with some of my grandchildren, uh, and um, coaxing, John. Coaxing is a nice way of putting it. Anyway, uh, payback time will be shortly. But anyway, 
But uh, my my lovely grandson, uh, David Bond, is eight years eight years of age, living in County Cork with my with my daughter and husband Anna and his sister Anna. And David read the nativity story for us. Uh, the, the way a child reads this, it's so innocent, and I can just close my eyes and listen. So I'd invite listeners. It's child speak. It's the way a child would tell the story. He he was reading it actually. And what else would we do but play that? beautiful piece of music, Away in a Manger, and this time it's sung by St. John's Choir. So let's listen to my grandson, David Bond, and followed by Away in a Manger by St. John's Choir, Cambridge. So now I want to welcome onto the radio programme this morning my grandson, David Bond, eight years old, from County Cork. Good morning to you, David. Hi. David, have you got a little story, a Christmas story you want to tell the listeners, please? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's hear it. My name is David, and this is my Christmas story. In a little town called Nazareth, they lived in a young woman named Mary. Mary was engaged with a man named Joseph. He was in a town carpenter. One day, an angel appeared. Mary, he said, you are going to have a very special baby. You must call him Jesus. Mary was so happy. He made a special song to thank God. Mary and Joseph soon got married. They were going forward to arrive of Mary's baby, but Joseph had to go back to his hometown, Bethlehem, to be counted. Mary and Joseph made a long journey together. At last they saw a town in the distance. Night was falling. They still needed to find somewhere to sleep. Bethlehem was full of people. I have no room, said the innkeeper, but you could stay in my stable. So they did. That night, Jesus was born in the innkeeper's stable. Mary wrapped him in a warm cloak. Joseph took him in an animal manger. In the fields nearby, a shepherd was guarding their sheep. All suddenly, an angel appeared. Don't be scared, he said. A baby is born in Bethlehem. One day, he will be our save of the world. The, world. the whole crowd of angels started to sing. After they finished, the shepherd raced off in Bethlehem to find a special baby. Soon the shepherd found a baby. Bay Jesus. He knelt down before him. Mary felt very happy. Far away, some wise men were watching the sky. Suddenly, they saw a new star. This means a great king is born, said one. They journeyed across the desert and mountains and believed the star would lead them to a newborn baby. After many days and nights, the star had led the wise men. Bethlehem. They are found in a baby Jesus. The wise men had brought with them rich presents for the baby king. They gave little Jesus shiny gold and cost perfume called frankincense and myrrh. That night, all angels warned Joseph in a dream. A wicked king wants to kill baby Jesus. 
You must leave at once. For Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus fled in the night to escape to Egypt. When it was safe, they journeyed back to Nazareth. They, then Jesus grew up. God was preparing him for a very special job. Happy Christmas to everyone from David and my sister Anna and my mom and dad. Thank you, David. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you. So wasn't that a lovely little thing? Now, John is here, of course, he has to be bashful, of course, because it's family. But wasn't that a lovely, wasn't that a lovely little reflection? And, of course, very appropriate, Away in a Manger, which is performed by St. John's Choir in 
are in Cambridge. Um, you may have noticed that we were drawing on a lot of the English college choirs, but they're the ones that have most most of the nicest choral uh, Christmas carols, actually. That's important. Uh, mm. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, next up, what do we have for you this morning? Now, let me have a look. I've kind of almost lost my place in the list. So, next up, we have, uh, oh yes, Jesse Rogers. Rogers. Now, Jesse, scripture scholar, lecturer in Manus, lives somewhere in the diet. I think she is in a hospital. And Jesse has been on the program a few times. And people will have encountered Jesse. She's very popular for retreats and speaking at parishes as well. So we asked Jesse to join us this morning. And of course, the thing about it is Jesse, being the scripture scholar and coming from a reformed tradition before she became a Catholic, she has a very unique way of presenting things from a, from a scriptural perspective. And following on from her short reflection, we have a piece of music called uh, Emmanuel, God Has Come, and it's performed by Don Moen. I think is how you pronounce the man's the man's name. So that's what we have next. Christmas is when we celebrate the birth of the Christ child. So it's a time of joy, but it can also be a time of sadness. Perhaps you remember those not with different reasons. And Christmas can be a time of loneliness. But we don't have to fake happiness to be able to enter into the mystery of Christmas. Because Christmas is about God with us. The mystery we celebrate is the incarnation, the coming of God into the flesh and blood, cruel and beautiful vulnerability of real life. That means that where Christ is, Christ comes into sadness, fear, delight and happiness and 101 other emotions. However we're feeling, Christ enters into that with us. I wonder how you imagine the stable. All soft lights and gentle music? Christ's coming was much, much messier than that. A young girl going into labor on a journey far from home and giving birth in a barn. The little family would soon have to flee as refugees to Egypt to escape the violence of an insecure leader difficult times. But there's also the wonder of new life in this tiny baby and the future that opens up. Mary and Joseph must have gazed and gazed at him in awe, their hearts bursting. Wherever you are this Christmas and however you're feeling, my prayer for you is that you'll be able to glimpse something of God with us, of Christ who comes into the details of your life today, whatever that may be. I hope that you'll be able to make some time to gaze like Mary at the Christ child. Tell him your hopes and your dreams, your fears and your joys. And may you sense the love with which he holds and returns your gaze. God bless you this Christmas. Christmas is about His glory. Christmas is about His grace. 
Christmas is a gift of love our Father gave us. More than just another story about a special time and place, Christmas is a time to lift a song of So again, we thank our, our final uh, reflection, our uh, guest this morning, uh, Jesse Rogers, for giving us that reflection, and also that piece of, followed by that piece of music, Emmanuel, God has come, uh, by Don Moen. 
So this is the part of the programme where we, of course, as usual, on every programme here, we read the Gospel. And before that, there's a prayer we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and we'll invite Anne to pray that prayer for us this morning. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, humbly, attentively. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this water in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that. So the Gospel for today, the, the Gospel we're going to take for for this Christmas Day reading here in, here in Come and See Inspirations in Sacred Space is the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. Now at this time, Caesar Augustus issued a decree for a census of the whole world to be taken. This census, the first, took place while Canarius was governor of Syria, and everybody went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph set out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and travelled up to Judea, to the town of David, called Bethlehem, since he was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with, with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, their time came for her to have a child, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the countryside close by, there were shepherds who lived in the fields and took it in turns to watch their flocks during the night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by the whole people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly, with an angel, there was a great throng of heavenly hosts praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and peace to men who enjoy his favour. Now, when the angels had gone from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried away and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him. And everyone who heard it was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. As for Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. A beautiful story, Shane, you know, one that we hear every year, but there's something, no doubt, that we've got to listen to this morning, some little thought you might have yourself. Yeah, um, I suppose, John, when it comes to the Christmas story, you know, because we've heard it so often, it's almost dangerously soporific 
um, we're because we, we, we can miss things with it, it. And, you know, when we were preparing for the Christmas program, I wasn't quite sure actually what I was, you know, where I was going to go, what I was going to say for this morning's program. But I suppose a couple of things that struck, struck me about the um, about the gospel account that we've just heard. I suppose there's different there's different characters that jumped out at me. Obviously, there's Mary, then there's then there's the shepherds, and then there's the child. And I suppose if I take each of them in turn, um, first of all, I suppose the line that struck me from Mary there was two things. One was she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. And the second line you know, for Mary is she pondered all these things in her heart. Now, for me, I think there was two things that struck me about that. And it linked in, I suppose, to the whole thing that we're celebrating, which is the birth of a child. The birth of a child who we as Christians believe was the son of God. Um, he was the son of Mary because that's what the gospel tells us. Uh, he was human because he got his humanity from his, from Mary, but he was also divine. He was the son of God, the fruits of fruits, God's only begotten son. And, but he didn't come into the world with a bang and, a, you know, with great throngs all around him and celebrating, but rather was born in a simple cave. And to, to the extent, you know, that his, his mother, you know, a young woman, uh, firstborn, and you know, had to you know wrap him up tightly in 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 a swaddling in swaddling clothes. And the thing that struck me about it, John, was the fact that there are so many mothers around the world this morning, and who are facing that exact same situation. Mothers of basically refugee children, you know, who are in they mightn't be in caves or stables, but tents. You know, we think of the Syrian refugees scattered across the Middle East. We think of the Rohingyas in Bangladesh in Cox's Bazaar. We think of the South Sudanese who had to cross the border into Uganda or the internally displaced persons in Somalia due to the drought. Or, you know, or we think of the 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 the, the misfortunes in, 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 in Turkey and Lebanon. Um, you know, who, who have fled war in their home countries. And the fact that, you know, the human experience which Mary and Joseph endured um, still continues today. I suppose then, I'll come back to that point. I, I'm not, I won't, I'll just leave it there for the moment and just, just for people to, to ponder that and just to think about that for, for a minute. Then, I suppose, the second thing that struck me was about the shepherds. And when you're reading it and you're listening to it being read, it's, you know, the shepherds were out in the fields watching the flocks. And to quote that, you know, that great expression of Pope Francis as these were people that were on the periphery. They were the marginalized. And, you know, they were the marginalized. They were, they were outside or they were at the very edges of their society. But it was to them that the angels went to tell the good news. And I suppose for us, I suppose we have to think about that and kind of, it reminds me sometimes that those of greatest faith are often those who are on the margins of society. I, you know, I'm thinking of those that I've encountered in my, in my travels, say particularly in, in different African countries. It's generally the poor who are the most generous and those who are most aware of the blessings of God in their lives.
And that's just something that struck me, just struck me this morning, just thinking and just listening about the shepherds being those that were the first witnesses to the great news of the incarnation. But I suppose the other side of it is, well, what, what is it about Christmas? What is it that we're celebrating? What is it that we are recalling this, this, this morning, you know? And I think for me, one of the things that I'm trying to, if you like, recover or rediscover or engage with is the sense of hope that the Christmas gospel is, is, is there, that is presenting to us. We're living in a world which is very dark at the moment. Let's be honest about it. And I don't just mean in terms of the weather. <laughs> you know, it is, you know, the shortest day of the year is only three or four days ago from an Irish perspective. But I mean in terms of it's, it can seem very gloomy around us, both politically, economically. People, you know, we listen to the, what's happening with our hospitals, the, 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 the travails and of the farmers trying to do this and that and the other thing, you know, the issue of rising costs, people not being able to afford homes, 10,000 people without a roof over their head in Ireland. And you're kind of going, oh my God almighty, where is it all going to stop? And I think that's the thing we have to look for this morning in this, in this morning's gospel, is to rediscover the sense of Christian hope. You know, there's great, the great three things that St. Paul talks about is hate, hope, uh, uh, faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest are faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. But sometimes I think we need to search for hope and to recover a sense of hope and to try and see that God is active in the, everything that's going on around us. Somehow to, we need to be able to take the time to discern where is God in the mess and the humdrumness and just the busyness of life? And I think that gospel this morning kind of puts it up to us in terms of you have Mary and the presence of God for her was that little boy child that she gave birth to. You put it up there in terms of the shepherds and the presence of God in their lives, you know, their marginalized lives was suddenly this amazing vision of the angel host singing Glory to God in the highest and peace to men on earth. So for me, I think this morning, one of the things I would say to people is we really need to think and reflect about hope again and to find hope in our lives because ultimately that's what the Christmas story is about. It's about the fact that our God came into our world, broke into time, became part of our existence because he loved us so much. And sometimes we can take that for granted. It's kind of hard to say it when you're celebrating Christmas and you're looking at the crib and you're looking at the babe in the manger. But we have to remind ourselves, of course, that the, um, the shadow of the cross hangs over Christmas as well. But ultimately, it is the good news of Christmas that a child has been born for us that we need to find hope in this Christmas morning. Thanks for those thoughts, Shane. Very good, thank you. I just want to take a little bit of a thought myself from my friend Jack McArdle. And what Jack says this morning is, says, Jesus of Bethlehem is the same today as he was last year and as he was on the first Christmas night. 
what can greatly change what can have greatly changed are the conditions within my heart it could happen for example that today is the first day he has really felt at home in my heart because it might be the first time the first occasion in which he is genuinely welcomed and made at home if i can get this right then of course this will certainly be the greatest christmas in my life it comes about the end the end of the program um again thanks Anne, for for joining us very welcome john uh, wishing all our listeners a very peaceful and a blessed christmas and shane thank you so much for joining us um this year as well, but but today especially a two hour program um of course, I know you'd want to join me in thanking all of our guests who took time out to share those reflections with us. And thanks a lot, Shane, for joining us. Thank you, John. And now it's time for us to go. Uh, I've got a little bit of um, cooking to do, I think, Shane, or something like that. I'm not too sure what, what your plan is, but uh, my wife has a certain um, plan for me for the rest of the day, so I'm going to enjoy it. But in the meantime, to help me do that, we'll go out with a piece of music that we always play here in the programme as we go out on Christmas Day and remember just before I forget again there's a few more reflections to be played again on Sunday the 29th that's next Sunday Father Frank Dewey and Sister Patricia Hogan will offer their reflections for us then and um, of course we'll start it off by Noreen Lynch has a little prayer to share with us too but in the meantime for myself Shane and uh, Anne enjoy your Christmas Day enjoy your Christmas period and we'll go out with a beautiful piece of, uh, of music by Charlotte Church entitled Joy to the World So from us all here, bye-bye, happy Christmas. Bye. Bye. Bye.